Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Early Parenting Podcast. Today's a special episode because I am having a bit of real life mum chat with a lovely mum who I had the opportunity of working with. Now, Natalie is the mum of Frankie, who at the time of us speaking was 15 months. And I wanted to bring Natalie on because she probably represents a lot of mums out there. And I just know that her story and her experience in becoming a mum is going to resonate with a lot of you. And I just love to bring real life stories to you all because I know that in this world of parenthood, sometimes you can feel really alone and that perhaps you're the only one feeling this way. I can assure you you're not. And it's my new mission to make sure that I'm sharing more stories so that you can see that you are so not alone. Anyway, this is the first of hopefully lots of mum chats to come, but I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast, where we help you navigate the somewhat tricky world of parenthood so you can love the crap out of being a mama. I'm your host, Jen Butler, and I'm an early parenting consultant and a mama of two busy, busy boys. Join me as I explore all things early parenting and deliver them to you in toddler-friendly, bite-sized lessons. Because let's be honest, your toddler is probably smothering pseudo-cream on the wall as we speak. I'll be dropping my hottest tips on baby and toddler sleep, feeding, boobs, behavior, and so much more. Are you ready to feel confident in motherhood? Let's dive in. Hello, Natalie, and welcome to the Early Parenting Podcast. I I'm very excited to have you on. Now, we have been having a little bit of a chat before I've just hit record, and we were both speaking about the benefit of hearing stories from everyday mums, just like you and I, about your experience with motherhood, and hence why I got the gorgeous Natalie on. Now, I'm not going to keep on blabbering on. I'm going to start by asking you, Nat, tell us a little bit about yourself, who you are, who you've got at home, all those wonderful things. <laughs> Well, I'm Natalie. I'm a teacher um, and now a mum, which was an interesting transition. But um, at home, I have my little Frankie, who's 18 months old now, and also her dad, Ben, my partner, and our little dog, Ruby. Quick question on the side. How does Ruby take to Frankie? <laughs> uh, that's, that's a whole nother podcast, I think, Jen. <laughs> All right, I'm going to flag that for Jen. Do a episode on pet safety slash not even that yeah. pet affection towards. She, she's really good with her when it's just me. When Ben's yeah. home and has Frankie, she gets very. I don't know if it's jealous. It's it's anxious. I think. Yeah, it's um, an interesting, interesting dynamic. That's for sure. My Cocker Spaniel Toby has only just adjusted to Max five years in and still is slightly tentative. I think it's oh, the hope for us then. Yeah, exactly. It's just um it's just like kids. Temperament matters. Like we're different personalities, different scenarios. It is it is kind of nice now, um, where Frankie's at an age where she wants to play with Ruby. So Ruby yes. isn't playing, but Frankie thinks she is. So Yeah, of course. Ruby's like go away. Yeah, basically. <laughs> 
So we connected through Instagram, I think, somewhere along the line. And you and I have been chatting for quite like ages, like since Frankie was little. I I reckon that she was only about six months and we've sort of just touched base and kept in contact over all of that time. So, I mean, obviously I know a little bit about how things have been, but, you know, what was it like, in your words, becoming a mum? Well, I actually reflected on this question and I found it hard to put a feeling to it or anything like that because I think, honestly, I was just surviving. Like, I don't know (laughs) what it was like, but if I had to really think about it, I think it was overwhelming in so many ways. I think I was overwhelmed with this emotion and love for this new little person and the life that was going to be and recreating myself as a mum and who who I was now and that kind of thing but also overwhelmed with fear and you know not knowing everything not having control over anything so it was overwhelming but in so many aspects. I'm such an emotional person because when I listen to you talk like that, I get really teary and I get little sort of goosebumpy because exactly how you've just put it, like sometimes you can't really put your finger on it because it is the most conflicting feeling when you are obsessed with this new little baby. You love the crap out of it, but at the same time, your baby can be your biggest source of fear, of overwhelm, of frustration and like... Damn, that's a whole lot of feelings being felt. (laughs) Yeah. And I think I was really judgmental on myself as well when I didn't know how to do something. I was like, well, I'm supposed to know how to do this. I'm the mum, you know. (laughs) Can I just like dive into that more? Like that is probably one of the biggest things and one of probably the biggest objections I see with families wanting to reach out for support is that they think that they should know it all. Like mm. that instantly, like I think we're brought up being told, oh, listen to your gut, listen, you're the mum, you know, and I am so for that, that a mum does know best, but it doesn't mean you know everything. No. And the guilt that mums carry because of that is that they should know it but don't and so they don't do anything because they're too ashamed, I think. Like is that... Do you think that's what's going on? Like, it's just such an interesting concept. Absolutely. And I remember a girlfriend of mine who she's got two little ones and she said to me, suddenly you just become the person everyone looks to for what to do for the child. So because you're the main, well, in most cases, the primary caregiver, everyone looks to you to know what to do, but you don't know yourself. (laughs) I was talking, I can't remember who this was, but recently I sort of said how you'll be out in public and your baby will start crying and they hand them straight back to you because A, they're like, oh, baby's crying, I don't know what to do. I know it's coming from a panic from them, but then sometimes you're like, well, I don't know what to do either. And then you are put on the spot of, well, crap, I'm being exposed here for for not actually knowing what to do. And that, yeah, like that's, that, a, that's a perfect way to describe it. You, you, you're exposed. Yeah, you're yeah. on the show. <laughs> I, I'll never forget a time when I was sitting down with little baby Max and I'd had to use a nipple shield to breastfeed and I bloody forgot the nipple shield at a cafe, didn't I? And I just remember this feeling of like, you know, being around my family and friends, having coffee and that, being a midwife, being like, well, I can't even get him on. Look at me. Like, you know, just in the self-talk you do, it's yeah. it's horrible. Yeah. You mentioned, Natalie, about, you know, that loss of control. Do you want to talk a little bit more about how that felt for you? 
that was horrible. <laughs> so, and I think my personality in itself, I like control and I feel like I have control over things and I, I'm kind of, I suppose I'm a little bit anxious in that way and that's what I do to help the anxiety about anything is I control the situation. So, or I look forward, you know, fast forward about possibilities that could happen or that kind of thing and it helps me control what's going on. But then you put in my profession as well, being a teacher and everything is to a timetable. You know, you go to the toilet at certain times, you eat at certain times, you go by bells and start times, finish time, everything. And, you know, there's a set way a lesson runs and there's a set way a meeting runs and, and all that kind of thing. And then to be thrown this little person that doesn't care about structure and routine or anything like that, it was really hard for me to adjust to that. And I just remember people just saying to me, you just have to let it go. You just have to go with the flow. And I'm like, yeah, but how? I don't know how. <laughs> and in the end, I because I'd gone to the GP about a couple of things and they would always give that, um, that test to me. Like yeah, the Edinburgh, the depression yeah, screen. The one. Yeah. So I reckon I, I did about seven of those, like at the maternal health nurse, at the GP, at, back at the obstetrician when they do the check and everything. And it always came out that I have anxiety and that kind of thing. And I'm, I'm really honest too, so I don't sort of sugarcoat my answers to things and that sort yeah. of So... I ended up going to see a psychologist just to talk about it. And she said, well, it's because you're, it's, you're, you're a teacher. You like control. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of teachers with the same thing. And, and it was good because, you know, she helped me to understand that it wasn't that I was going crazy or I wasn't coping. It was I was trying to make sense of this situation. And I was doing things like just creating list after list after list and I was trying to timetable my day so you know I would have hours blocked out and this is when I would dress her and change her and whatever because I was trying to make sense of it all I mean once I stopped doing that it was all right but (laughs) it helped me though it helped me to kind of see well this is when I would dress her because she was a bit of a spewy baby too so I found that hard because I'd dress her and then I'd do something and then I'd have to change her and it was just hard it was hard work (laughs) yeah yeah and what you said there like I'm a nurse in my profession well that's where I started obviously things have evolved but nurses and teachers others you are quite often same personality types and just like nurses we write on our little sheet at seven o'clock, we have to go around and do our meds. At 11 o'clock, we have another meds run. We do this this time, you know, and this is why it comes down to some mums will have babies and because they were already so go with the flow, it's not a difficult adaptation to them. But a large majority of us are used to having control over what our day looks and enjoy. It's good to actually have structure and routine to your day and we enjoy it and it gives us clarity and it gives us a sense of purpose. And I don't know about you, but... Jenny loves to do a little bit of a tick off, feel productive. Yeah. <laughs> when I don't feel productive, that's what was a killer for me as a new mum is I didn't feel productive, even though, you know, people say, well, you're looking after your baby, that's productive. But for me, that wasn't enough. I actually needed that whole tick, tick, tick sort of thing. Yeah. So what you're describing just resonates with me so much and I'm sure it resonates with so, so many mums out there. Mm-hmm. And like what you said about, you know, I was just told that you have to go with the flow. It's really hard when you're not innately a go with the flow kind of gal 
to just get into that groove. Like at the end of the day, yes, if you can just sort of take the pressure off, it's going to make the ride of motherhood a lot more enjoyable. But even when you work on that, there'll always be that nagging like desire to have that control, basically. I just think that's very pertinent what you've said. (laughs) Now tell me, Natalie, like if you were, I mean, obviously things change across Frankie's life. She's now 18 months and your challenges now would be very different to your challenges when she was a newborn. (laughs) We all know that the things change. But if you could define one area of her world that was the most challenging, the hardest, what would you say it was, is? <laughs> I, I really thought about that and, and I would have to still say that it was sleep. I mean, it changes over the lifespan too, doesn't it? So, you know, in the newborn phase, like the sleep deprivation for me wasn't lovely, but I also had this adrenaline that helped me get through it and then suddenly that all stops and the sleep is still not great and you're still supposed to survive and function. And, you know, it's fine when you're on mat leave and you can rest, you know, during the day when they have their nappy thing up and, you know, get yourself back together and go for your walks and do what you need to do for your mental health and everything. But then at 12 months, I would say that was probably the worst time with her sleep and it went on for about three months and I'd started back at work then too. So, you know, I was getting up five, six times a night and then still having to get up and go to work the next day and try and function and get your head back in the game for being back in the workforce again and that kind of thing. And it was just brutal, absolutely Mm -hmm. brutal. And I since found out there was a 12 month regression that I, just didn't know about um I just thought you know oh she'll get to 12 months and she'll sleep and it'll be fine (laughs) no (laughs) and I let it go on too long that's probably the hardest part is I probably needed help and didn't get it when I needed it thinking it would pass or it was a tooth or you know that kind of thing and I, I think I remember talking to you Jen when I finally did seek out some support that she pretty much I had Panadol, Nurofen, pain relief, whatever, for about three months straight because I didn't know what the hell was going on and I didn't know how to help her and or anything. So that you know, it was just in take this just in case and yeah, you're covering your bases. Yes, yeah, exactly. What's really like interesting in what you say is like we go into motherhood and we always expect that those newborns wake and. I mean, you're still not prepared for the tiredness, I don't think. I certainly wasn't. No. I remember I used to think that because I'd done night duty that I was going to be like, <laughs> lol. <laughs> night duty is like three nights in a row and then you get to sleep like a normal person. Having a baby is not, you know, that is checking in for life. <laughs> anyway, I laugh at that now. But then I feel like you hit like four months or even six months or as you even said, you were probably allowing for things to just you know improve itself until 12 months and then you hit a new obstacle and not only was it you're still not getting that sleep but it's actually worse than what it was ever before and I think there's this big illusion that babies and toddlers just sleep through when they're ready and like some do like I will say some do like if there's any mums or dads listening they're like well actually my baby did and I'm like well bloody, I wish I had a unicorn baby because none of my boys ever did without me actually having to do something different to facilitate that to happen. 
And it still doesn't mean that even, you know, like as you have said, then you were still faced with this 12-month sleep progression. But the reality is, is there is always something around the corner. And so if you're putting off, you know, getting support, it just can mean for you that it's just a prolonged period where you're sleep deprived, which is what exactly what you found. But yeah. you're so not alone in doing that whole cover your bases stuff or think, oh, well, she's in a leap. Oh, well, there was a tooth come through. I think it's very normal that parents go through that process of before they sort of go, okay, enough's enough. Yeah. And I found um, really useless as well because before she was born, I'd purchased programs. So I was like, I'm, I'm getting onto this. I know this is the hardest part and you know, one of the hardest parts in hindsight. And I'm getting onto it early. I need routine in my life. So I think I had about three different programs and I'd read books and been gifted books and, and then it was too much because I, I was thinking, well, how can it be so different? How can like this one say this and this one say that? And then I was confused and then I had no clue. <laughs> like at the end of the day, just like you would go to a GP and they might say, this person might say to try this and this person might say, I think we should refer you for this. Like at the end of the day, even in the world of sleep, like there is information we know, but it's also going to be largely influenced by what other people have done that's worked for them mm. and those sort of things. And so the messages become really confused. And so for you in the end, you were left with this mishmash of information. Like reflecting on that, what would you do differently next time if you were to try to not get so confused in that? I think I would really try to understand the baby as a whole rather than trying to put them into this, as you describe often, this cookie cutter routine that might not suit the baby. <laughs> yeah, and, and I, I feel a lot of regret about that with Frankie because I feel like I didn't understand her until, I don't know, maybe when I did get help from you and how old was she then? About 15 months old, I think. And then I finally understand her now and I can watch for tired signs and that kind of thing. I never knew any of that, even though, you know, the maternal health nurse helps you to try and understand it and everything, but I just never got it. And you know what, because I think too, sometimes, and I look back at at my experience with Max too, and I have regret. And I mean, look, at the end of the day, it is what it is. And you know what it does do is it builds you to be different next time. And so like you actually take power from that. I do. I think to myself, okay. And I did, like I had Ted and I was such a different person, like from what I was with Max. And it was awesome. I can honestly say my experience, even though Ted, well, Ted, tests us every little day of our lives. Like, what did he do the other day? Pushed a chair up to the medicine cabinet, got out Panadol and said to mummy, can I have these lollies? I was like, what are you doing? Get down. Oh, my God. I didn't know I had to put a safety latch up on something high. (laughs) Anyway, that's a whole other story. Again, I'm going to flag that for a home safety (laughs) episode. There was one actually with Tiny Hearts Education that we did recently. So maybe I'll just explore that a little bit more. But you will learn. You live and you learn a little bit. But I I also know that we aren't taught enough as mums. We go into motherhood and we've lost the village. We don't have that observation of our friends now what we see of our friends is perfectly curated photos on the gram yeah. that makes you feel as though they've got their shit together 
and you're the only one that doesn't. So not only is the village gone, but what we do see is this completely fake or not necessarily fake, but just pimped up version yeah. of what motherhood might have like. And, and the good like, bits, only the good bits. <laughs> I'm, I'm pleased to God someone start like, and I know I do it. I actually had someone the other day say to me, oh, you look like such a super mum," And I was like, lol. But then I thought, well, I guess that that's all anyone ever does see on Instagram is if I am just being my cheery self. And I mean, at the end of the day, I'm probably not going to whip out my phone when I'm screaming at my kids. Like, no. but you know what I mean? So I do get it. It's not that people are necessarily trying to be fake, but unfortunately that's what we see is just the good parts. Like what you've just said too about how you are told, you know, you're tired signs. And I think it goes beyond just, okay, look at these tired signs. Like really when you start to understand, as you put it beautifully, the whole baby and not just like at the, because at the end of the day, sleep is one part and it impacts all the other parts, but all the other parts impact sleep too. So, and that's what I, you know, I know I bang on a a lot about it for people who do follow me on Instagram, whatever, but it is that holistic look that matters so much. Yeah, and that's what I've, I've really loved about working with you the couple of times that we've had consults is that, you do ask questions about the whole day, feeding, temperament, everything to try and figure out what the issues might be depending on what the consult's about, you know. Yes, exactly. Because I know recently Natalie and I spoke and, you know, when we're dealing with toddlers, the conversation's very different than when we're talking about little babies. Like their personalities change, their needs change, the way that we should support them changes. So... Yeah, I think that that is very, very, very pertinent. I've got one more question for you, Natalie, that I want to do to wrap up this awesome chat. And it's to ask you if you had one piece of advice to give to a new or mother of one, two, three, four, however many, what would your advice be to another mother? My number one piece of advice, if I've learned anything and can be of any help to anybody, is to get help early when you have that little feeling or thought not sure what you're doing like get help then because the thoughts are just going to snowball basically so I, yeah I just can't stress that enough and I, and I wish I had that advice given to me <laughs> I love that like again it's making me teary but like I remember I guess we're all so different and like for me I'm really one of those people that just go I don't know it. It's a no-brainer for me, but I know that so many people, we're all so different in our thought processes. Like it is incredible advice because I think that at the end of the day, we don't have to know it all, but we do have to look after ourselves and seek out that knowledge when we don't know it. For your sanity and for the enjoyment of motherhood, would you say that since you have understood things better, your enjoyment of Frankie has improved? Oh, absolutely. And just my whole, I just feel like me again. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sort of flailing about day to day trying to figure out the next move. You know, <laughs> I've got some sort of control again, I guess. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You've got control, but it's not in a way that you're like running the shots. It's working with what Frankie needs. Like, yes. And, and I can know? be more flexible and, and go with the flow a little bit better because yeah. I do understand more now what needs to happen and what to do if this happened, you know, I can sort of troubleshoot a bit better instead of everything turning to crap. (laughs) And then you just feeling at the end of the day, like, well, what a failure of a day. And, you know, 
where am I going wrong and all those crappy self-talk things we do to ourselves. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think help can come in many forms as well. So I didn't know what to ask for. So from family and friends and that kind of thing, I wasn't sure how they could help me. So, you know, I've got these great friends and family around me, but I didn't know what I needed. But then speaking to professionals, and I guess I trust, like, you know, trust you because of your credentials and I've followed you for a long time and um, what you do sits with me well. And so I think a professional can help in a different way and you can just talk and talk and talk and blab on but they understand how to respond and then pinpoint what you need support with. Whereas sometimes I think if you do that with a friend, they'll kind of say, oh, you know, it'll be all right, it it gets better, but you don't get that exact little bit of help that you need as such. Yeah, absolutely. Like well-meaning friends will say things like, it's okay, it'll pass and it'll be better, you know, once they're all, you know, all well-meaning advice. But you're right, even how you mentioned speaking to a psychologist, like whoever the support is, whether it's directed at your specific problem or whether it's looking at your mental health, whether it's like however it looks, I think that's such an important point. It's that it's just seeking support where you feel like you're lacking in that you know, direction. And there's nothing better than offloading to someone who can give you that actual try this, this, you know, it gives you a sense of peace in just knowing that you've got direction in feeling more in control. Yeah, exactly. Well, Natalie, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. As I said, it's just so nice to just chat to everyday mums who at the end of the day, you're living and breathing this right now. To hear your perspective on it all is refreshing. And I know that there's going to be mums out there who can very much resonate and relate. And to just know that what they're feeling is probably what the majority of us feeling, whether some of us talk more about it and are more candid than others, but we're all feeling it. (laughs) Yeah, and thank you for having me because I've enjoyed, like I said to you before we started recording, I enjoyed reflecting on those questions because I haven't really taken the time to do that at all. (laughs) I know. And, like, for anyone who is actually out there, stop and breathe for a second and have a think. Have a think about what it's been like, like, because we don't ever stop to think, well, am I actually loving this or am I, you know, what you said at the start, surviving, like survival versus enjoyment and thriving is a very different thing. So just stop and have a think and allow yourself to feel what it is that's going on. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for coming on Nat and I will talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jen. Thanks for listening to the episode, Mama. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure to share the episode with a friend, with your mother's group, or tag me at Jen Butler Early Parenting on Instagram. The more that know about this podcast, the more people I can help. If you're looking for support that is personalized for your babe and tailored to your family's needs, then make sure to head on over to my website www.jenniferbutler.com.au and check out how we can work together so you can move through motherhood with confidence. Catch you in the next episode, mama.